0: Welcome to the Assembly of Silence Radio Hour. Okay, so here we are. This is going to be a quick intro. Really, it's going to be a quick one. It's another conversation with Judah. And it picks up kind of where we left off from the last conversation with Judah. And that's all I'm going to say about it. You know what to expect, if you've heard it before. If this is the first time, I don't know, maybe you should listen to another one first. So the obligatory stuff, I don't know why it's obligatory, it doesn't seem to do any good, but I'm going to tell you anyway, that if you'd like to support this effort, and it is an effort, it does take time, it takes energy, and it takes a little bit of money too. They don't let you put podcasts up on iTunes for free. At least I don't think they do. So um, you can support us by going to patreon.com slash tajireality or there's cryptocurrency stuff in the show description and PayPal and all that. And I guess that's going to be it. Enjoy the show. (laughs) Okay. It's been decided. <laughs> Jude is back again, and uh, last time we talked about fear and anger. Oh, that's right. No, that's what I meant to say. Anger. Yes, anger. Yeah. We barely mentioned fear. No, we didn't. but now we're going to wrap it up: fear and death. Death. Yeah, nothing to be angry about. No, but certainly something well, unless bit- you aren't comfortable with it. I guess that would probably be the case with many. I wonder mm-hmm. how many people are experiencing anger at the moment of their death. I think mm-hmm. fear is more likely the response.
1: I would imagine. Yep. Like you said a moment ago, uh, before we started recording, uh, it's the great unknown. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we have no clue. There's an awful lot of stories, you know. So we have a we have a very elaborate sense of what awaits us. But who can say? I mean, there are those who have. have died and come back and there's a certain degree of correspondence between a lot of those
1: stories so. there seems to be a lot of correlation Yep, uh, you know i i have the benefit of uh, an ex-partner of mine parents being near-death experience researchers oh, that's right yeah you know interesting right and and they only deal with what are called veritable experiences mm-hmm. verifiable experiences 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 where the person it's verified that they died they talked with the physician there's you know things that um their experience was verified like if the person said they saw this person come into the room as they were dying and this is what they were wearing and so on and so forth and have been able to verify Hmm. the full experience that's what they deal with and um And those would be like post-moment of death as far as the
0: doctors were concerned, right? Yes. They would continue to have experience after
1: they had been declared dead. Exactly, exactly. And time and time and time again, people have a shared experience. Mm -hmm. And it seems that one of the primary
0: aspects of that is the overall sense that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Right? That it's like, this is we're we're fine right this yeah. is fine yeah yep yeah warmth if not good right warmth, warmth light light yep um beings being beings so the sense of presence of others and not just the ones that they're seeing in the room who think that they're dead exactly whether it be so family members they're with
1: others or yeah it might be right. family members who've crossed the threshold and passed on or 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 some other radiant kind of bright being but it's it's uh the the stories are rife with mm-hmm. with with this shared experience
0: so on a very ultimate level we're 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 getting messages from these this group of people that say that there's nothing to be afraid of right yeah and and perhaps we could reasonably extend that to say well there's nothing to be angry about
1: yeah right yeah yeah.
0: Um and yet we are in a uh, a world that is just consumed with fear and anger. Yeah. And yeah. as you were saying a moment ago before we started recording that you know our culture is kind of predicated upon the denial of death that that we push that away at all costs and yet at the same time it's something that is just haunting us all the time, you know. So. Our
1: media is obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Absolutely, right. I mean, look at the amount of violence and death and in the movies and TV shows and things like that. Right, mm-hmm. and yet we will do everything we possibly can. But to... it's also
0: it's also framed in this terrible tragic yeah. way. Oh, yeah. Pretty
1: much ninety nine percent of the time,
0: you know, every death is uh, a dramatic and intense tragedy. If not an outrage, right. right? Whereas you know you have like I know in like New Orleans, like the way of celebrating a death is for everyone to have a party, right? Right. You know. Right. And there is that kind of aspect of like celebrating the you know someone's life, right? But there's also the kind of you know, boy, you know they don't have to suffer anymore. Like you know, send them on their way, and you know, <laughs> you know, just mm-hmm. <laughs> we soldier on, and then when we go, it's it's. Uh, it's time for celebration, and someone no longer has to suffer anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's good news, mm-hmm. you know. But it's difficult to really like completely feel like that's an acceptable way of viewing it in this culture,
1: mm. right? It really is. And, you know, when you said when you said um, uh, there's a lot of anger around death um you know like someone's faced with their mortality say they are given a terminal diagnosis mm. or something like that right and and, the, and there's a lot of anger around death it makes me wonder with our culture if it's not because we have been programmed to live lives that are inauthentic mm. and not what we really wanted to be, wanted to do with our lives mm. and so we're just we're just full of regret of like mm. i just I, i've been robbed hmm. of life Hmm. You know, I've, I, I was sold a false bill of goods. I was told I had to, you know, go to college, get the job, da, 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 you know, fill in the blanks. Right. And so living do, was
0: always forestalled for some other time in the imagined
1: future. Right. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And, and so, then
0: as you get closer and closer to death, you feel more and more that you've been ripped off.
1: Yeah. And because the, everything you've been living is a lie. And so well, it makes sense that you'd be pretty pissed off.
0: Well, you know, it's it's it seems that to some extent maybe that's unavoidable in a densely populated social species because the way that our society functions is that we have people doing very specialized tasks which limit the range of their experience, but they have to become very expert in in order to get it done like efficiently, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And and, and once you're trained, it's like there's a, a fair amount of resource that's gone into getting you up to speed. And so people are, they're, they're kind of locked in in a variety of ways because it takes so much energy on the part of both an employer and of the employee themselves to retool to do something else. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you get locked into these situations that, you know, because of just general uh, considerations of life, uh, cost, expense, time, energy, and what have you, uh, it becomes prohibitive, particularly when there's pressures going on in a, in a society, to move to something else and and there you are you know it's incredibly it, it's just built into the fabric of a large technocratic society that this is the way life would go
1: mm. <laughs> so I, I I think about. <clears throat> you were talking about systems in the last episode um, and you know we are currently in a system that's dying we have we have a system that is dying
0: appears to be yeah
1: right um, this would be uh, the the as we are entering the technological revolution mm-hmm. right and um and we're seeing the automation of Jobs, right, right, and uh, and fewer and fewer people are needed for these positions. So exactly. it's like the there's here's another death. With, the Andrew Yang talking points. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Andrew Yang's talking points, mm-hmm.
0: and you know, it's, one one of many uh, very interesting ideas that guy has. I, I I find him to be one of the more appealing. I'm not going to turn this into a political conversation, but I do. <laughs> we always got the assembly science moment handy in yeah. the back pocket we, we we know how to save this now <laughs> if we get out of it in the last episode we're, we're going to be good here yeah, but yeah so. i think that you know yeah. the, there are some really interesting ideas out there and and so we just kind of made the diagnosis that you know this is a dying civilization so let's just say that it's very ill you know because yeah, let's hold bad. out some hope that maybe things could be you know, there are some patients who recover from what seems to be. It's almost like the, the, the people who are declared dead and who end up coming back and be like, well, I'm not dead yet. You know, like right, right. There's, there's that potential in everything. So let's not completely call it done yet. <laughs>
1: well, here's the thing <laughs> is that life shows us one thing, and that is that, that um, death and withering and growth and flourishing are always happening in simultaneity yeah
0: they're inseparable it's shiva right yeah you can't get creation without destruction exactly things need to fall apart in order for something to come back together yep without a doubt right but now is it whether that's like a renewal of the various organs of society or the whole freaking enchilada that's kind of the question in a certain sense you know, it was just occurred to me it might be interesting to try to figure out like of the various parts of society. How would we correlate that to the organ systems within a body? Like, oh, wow. you know, I mean, yeah. I, you kind of think of like, well, the, you know, the, I don't know if it's a good way to break it down, but like you have a, the economy, you have the the politics, you have mm. the uh, technology, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess military in some ways is also another. Uh, aspect. We need one more, and then we've got five. There we can see if we can figure out how to Spiritual correspond. life. Yeah, I guess that really is like mm-hmm. a huge, you know. Now, I don't know if there's another one that would come to mind, but it seems like that's yeah. an interesting group to try to correspond.
1: Well, Rudolf Steiner talks about what he called the threefold social order, mm. where he, he, he looked at it as there is the... The economic life, the, the political life, and spiritual educational life. But within those realms, a lot of other things fall, mm-hmm. right? But uh, I think looking more at uh, the renewal of the social organism mm-hmm. uh, for where we're at today, because we are going, we, we absolutely have to. We're about to hit the wall.
0: And, it seems and we're yeah.
1: we're running full steam ahead at it and right. and uh so we need a new we need uh, the birth of a new way of doing things and
0: but we're also uh we're in a condition where we can't agree on anything right. so <laughs> it's basically like the the so, organism has a mind that's confused which yeah. i think is that's what's symbolized by uh, Babylon, mm-hmm. right? So Babylon is the confusion of tongues. It's the confusion of consciousness where uh, within a nation, no one understands each other anymore. And we don't even have like a leadership that seems to have any kind of an agreement on anything. So it's, it's a runaway yeah. train. Yeah, you know? it's, That's, That doesn't bode well for the health of the organism.
1: We're, we're in a time where everyone's telling you what you, th- what you see is actually not what you see. Right. Yes. Right, you're not actually seeing that. Well,
0: you know, it's interesting because, of course, that is to some extent a byproduct of the scientific age where we became increasingly convinced of the distance between observation and actuality. Mm -hmm. So we did, in many cases, misperceive what was going on and we kind of learned that that was something that was happening. So we tried to develop a variety of techniques to verify our... Uh, theories about what was going on, but in the course of doing that, it seems like we really separated the sense of uh, our capacity to observe what 's going on and the thing itself and and we 're now in this weird zone where nothing seems to have any tangible referent, mm-hmm. you know even within quantum mechanics, the much beloved bongo playing particle physicist, Richard Feynman. Uh, Says if you think you understand quantum mechanics, that means you don't, right? And and that it's been acknowledged that the kind of a
1: good saying for life.
0: Well, you know, there's something Mm. really to it, but it's also acknowledged that that the thing that they have constructed doesn't necessarily refer to any particular mechanism. Mm,
1: mm -hmm.
0: So and and there really there's some incredible efforts now being made to try to. Make it mean something, and some of that has to do with this, like multi-worlds interpretation, where every possible universe exists in parallel, and at any given moment, the the quantum state of things, like, will branch so that one particular reality will happen, and then you have all of these other potential realities that are happening in some alternate universe which is like probably one of the most insane things i've ever heard but it's actually considered to be a reasonable theory.
1: So one possibility is that when you die you're actually being born.
0: Well, okay, you know, so that's actually a very generous uh, interpretation of it. I think <laughs> that uh well, and, and you know, that doesn't necessarily branch, right? Maybe it does. I don't know. This is too confusing. I can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, okay, you can have a, a a branching of something that suggests parallel processes, so that mm-hmm. parallel universe thing, right, right? right? But then you could also have, you can imagine a universe where it's just one universe, right? Mm-hmm. And every death is another birth,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Mm-hmm. So... Really, all we're doing is talking about shit we don't know anything about.
1: You yeah. Know, with, that, as usual. Oh, that's
0: what I was going to say. Par <laughs> for the course. <laughs> <laughs> but that is totally what happens when you start talking about death. Because yeah. what, what can we say about it? Except that there have been some people who have come back who have said that everything's okay. There's a beautiful white light. And, you know, you can hear what's going on. There's beings around with you. And, and that's, that's all good news, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, is there anyone who's come back who's talked about the flames of hell?
1: I, you know in all of my conversations with uh, with these researchers, never once did they ever encounter that
0: so that's good news everyone yeah right yeah I mean, even if you're a I complete mean, scumbag right yeah I'm not to judge anyone no. but let's just say that a complete scumbag is something that's possible mm-hmm. right absolutely like the worst possible human being mm-hmm. even they potentially, would would go to a relatively decent place.
1: Atheists. Right? Atheists come back with this Profound experience. Uh, they they have documented a, um, a gentleman in Hungary who was an atheist. It was an a- is that was past tense? Past tense. Okay, so not
0: an atheist anymore. Not
1: anymore. That's not interesting, after, right? Not after his his near death experience, right. right? Another another really fascinating. So one. all are children of God. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um and, and he's actually started a whole organization now in Hungary, which is an atheist. Uh, mm-hmm. Government right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Very secular society. Yes. Right? And so, um, and he's catching a lot of flack for that. Huh. There's a really interesting story where a woman died um, who had cancer and came back cancer gone, fully documented. Really? I mean, these are, these, it's like, how do you explain that? But it's, it's 100% documented. Uh, cancer is an energy? Cancer is an energy. Yeah. Is
0: it... well, and, and, and maybe cancer is separation from God.
1: It's parasitic,
0: so if and if fe- for it, sure. and it thinks of itself as being separate from the rest of the body.
1: Well, it goes. Yeah, it goes against all the, the natural laws. Right. The the cells just keep dividing and dividing and dividing without stopping. Any. And I
0: understand that it actually is a reversion to a more primitive form of cell, where the mitochondria is used for energy production, so it's like a fermentation process, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the ATP cycle.
1: Mm.
0: Now, I I can't remember where I heard that, but it's a really interesting theory and it kind of makes sense. Like in a collective, Mm -hmm. if you have one that's really not abiding by that and uh, en- mode of energy production anymore, mm-hmm. then it can completely interrupt the entire process. Right? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. sort of like a self. It goes back to its own selfish way of deriving energy. Right. And as a consequence, like, uh, if the person reconnects to a sense of their connection with everything, like through through mm-hmm. a experience with the divine, like post death, right realizing the interconnection of all things, that they're part of this gigantic creation, right? And so they're now part of the body of God. And so then within them, that would be reflected in what happens within this cancerous cell. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because my overall sense is that everything works really well when you have a sense of the consciousness of the thing that you're inside of.
1: Mm, mm Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and you have the respect for what it is that you're, you're like in a living universe and that that is something which is conscious and the same and we're on a living planet and that also has a, a form of consciousness not so different from our own, then you have respect for all of the things around you because they're all conscious too. And that just seems like the most basic rule for a harmonious existence, you know? And it seems like illness would be the natural consequence of not seeing it that way, of feeling like you're separated, isolated, and that the things around you are either malevolent or inert. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Have no meaning. Mm-hmm. Right? Or have no life agency. Have no, like, yeah. uh, spark of divinity.
1: Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. No awareness, no consciousness, no... Yeah, that, that, uh, all, everything is just random. It's just kind of here. And, mm-hmm. You know, which if, if you... When, you know when i i think about the scientific creation story of the big bang i can't think of anything that is more depressing and <laughs> lacking meaning and purpose in the cosmos than that. That, yes, yes. that 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 life came out of some primordial soup and it just you know, coincidentally, like a single cellular organism just happened to like, you know, come into existence and then became two cells and so on and so forth. And now all of a sudden, just kind of all by random accident, here we are as human beings, like the the the, the pure lack of meaning in that, well, no wonder we have so many people just lost feeling lost, like disconnected, right. And
0: yeah our cosmology is basically like just give us one free miracle and we'll explain everything <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember who i heard say that but that's good it's a pretty good way of summarizing yeah. it you know it's yeah. like yeah we don't believe in miracles except for the
1: beginning of everything yeah exactly <laughs> but otherwise they don't exist that's right right and and if you try to put meaning in any of this you're crazy and meantime, you know, they're having a real hard
0: time getting a fix on on some of the basics when it comes to the age of the universe, which is part of what the whole Big Bang theory is built upon. So, you know, I think there's a, a, a increasingly problematic discrepancy between the way that they interpret the cosmic microwave background radiation and there's another technique that kind of uses the brightness of what they consider to be similar objects in order to mm-hmm. get a sense of the of the size and age of the universe. And mm-hmm. those two techniques, I think, are becoming uh, ever more it's becoming ever more clear. there's a major discrepancy going on. So it seems like some of the foundation of some of those ideas is itself starting to fall apart a bit. you know it seems like in, in cosmology there's a lot of problems like that where there are a lot of a lot of observed phenomena that don't fit into the current model.
1: Yeah. This is I, where I, I have a lot of respect for the Hindu concept of time. Hmm. Where they, I mean, somehow they've managed to trace it back billions and billions and billions of years and they look at it through divine beings mm-hmm. existence you know that uh i mean from their perspective you would they would say that the big bang that we discussed the birth of our our universe was actually just one of many times that brahma opened his eyes right yep so it would be the yep.
0: uh what is that called? Yuga, right? It's a yuga cycle.
1: Well, yeah, but even more than that, the yugas are actually much shorter spans of time. Oh, the yugas are within. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. so like there's I, I can't get in, I wish I had I had this great book on it at, at my house, but, um, but yeah, just uh, Brahm opens his eyes, bang, boom, universe creation mm. happens and then there's billions of years that are unfolding and within that there's Other cycles that are happening, and you know, does it say what Brahma sees when he first opens his eyes? Mm. Mm -mm. You gotta
0: wonder, like what in in the beginning, right? There ain't nothing, nothing, and then Brahma opens his eyes. So that's the Big Bang. It almost feels like when Brahma opens his eyes, that's the first radiation of light. Like light goes out of the eyes. That's. I remember seeing there's there's actually an interesting experiment that was done that shows that. Uh, all living creatures produce photons and they produce photons more around the area of the eyes.
1: Oh, wow. Isn't
0: that interesting? Yeah, that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. That's fascinating. So, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Like, I mean, there must be, if we're talking about, I mean, Brahma is like the sleeping consciousness at the core of being, right? Mm-hmm. A dreamer,
1: yeah. right? Mm-hmm.
0: And so there's the imagination occurring within that dream. So is that what Brahma sees when he opens his eyes, the dream within his own mind? Once again, the mind of God unfolding. (gasps) Yeah, yeah.
1: Right? I don't know. I have no clue. (laughs) I mean,
0: that's the interesting thing about those traditions, too, is yeah. that it's so specific and drawn in such detail, you uh, know? And they have the so,
1: years down, like, oh, it's so many millions of years for this, and then this is so many billions of years, and this incredible. happens more than just once. I, mean, I wonder you know. what all of that numerology is built on. I mean, maybe it's mathematics.
0: I don't know if I should call it numerology or mathematics, but what is the, what is the seed idea that produces these numbers, you know?
1: Yeah. And, I mean, here's the thing: is that uh, we do, you know, it's undeniable that we embody the entire cosmos. I think. I mean, maybe not from it. Okay, so uh, let me rephrase that okay. because some, some a scientific individual will be like, "Oh, that's absurd." I mean, but but we 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 are the cosmos embodied. It's yeah. I think that there's a kind
0: of a holographic quality to phenomena. Yes. And so you can say that, you know, in the image of, right? Um, Yeah. Of course, the resolution of a hologram is greatly uh, changed by its size. Yeah. 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 So we're a very poor resolution uh, version. (laughs) I mean, we are tiny, tiny, tiny. We're so tiny, we're on this tiny little planet. We're a and speck this, of dust. Yeah, and this little planet is tiny compared to just our sun, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, so in the vastness of the cosmos, we are, you know, extraordinarily small, holographic. What's the right word for a copy of a hologram? There's got to be a word for that. But we're like copies. We're like very low resolution copies of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, every node of consciousness. I mean, the same for a flea, I imagine, on some level. You know, but I do think that humans do occupy a particularly unique role here on this planet, well, this, without a doubt.
1: Yeah. Well, this is the great esoteric dilemma that we are so small and insignificant, yet so great mm-hmm. and significant, mm-hmm. right? And and we we vacillate, and, and there's a chasm between those two mm-hmm. that we actually are like vacillating between.
0: Well, we're both, yeah. and so you know, there's a certain connection between the greatness and the smallness. Yeah, you know, and, and one of the things I wonder about the mind of God is, in a certain level, it feels like that is the concentration that holds every atom of the universe together. Mm-hmm. That and there's a really interesting little tidbit of quasi scientific information that seems to suggest that's the true, because that, that that's true. This guy is considered to be kind of a nut in the in the scientific world but if it's true what he says his name is Nassim Harman Oh yeah I know who
1: he is Yeah, yeah so he has right. this
0: this thing about the that at the core of every proton every single proton in the universe is the energy potential of the entire universe which is I know an issue within uh, mainstream physics cuz there's this something something called like I can't remember exactly what it's called something like the the Proton catastrophe, like they have a a problem where as you approach, the energy level goes to infinity, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And they do all this elaborate quantization to try to avoid that problem, Mm -hmm. right? But that suggests a kind of uh, a unified point throughout all space, like basically a a interface between the non-physical and the physical at the core of every single unit of being, you know, which is awesome. And so you can imagine like that even God stands, you know, that, that, or well, let's for the sake of this conversation, say Brahma. So Brahma is dreaming this whole thing. And that within that consciousness is the concentration that produces the thing that holds every single element of the imagination together of the imagined being. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is your, like both the grandest thing, Mm-hmm. within which everything is occurring is also at the center of the smallest thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so in the same way, like humanity is this great and small thing in our own little scale, you right, know? Right, right. <laughs> There's, and that fundamental opposition, which has a meeting point, seems to be part of the grand design, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So one of the things that's problematic, perhaps within the sciences, is the idea that opposition ends up at the end of the pole, Right? Mm-hmm. So that you have like, you know, your good or evil that are like way, way, way away from each other. Right? But this suggests that these two things are actually meeting. The meeting point is the greatest opposition, and the extension is something which kind of diffuses as it goes out. Right.
1: That right? would make a lot of sense, right? Seems to be. Yeah. I think. You know, this, <laughs> <laughs> I will steer this away, but I will come back. Okay. Is, is, I'm ready. Uh, okay. Yes, almost, yes. I got my finger on that. is, <laughs> 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 this That's about what's yeah. going to happen what here. What that? Um, it, well, when you say that, what that makes me think of is the far right and the far left. Mm. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, they
0: are married to each other. They're right next they're, to each they're, other. They're, they're
1: like, so far apart from each other. They're right next to each other, and that's they where can't they're, see they're, how, that they're actually lying in bed together. Exactly, doing and, it to each and other. And that's the, <laughs> and, and this, that's where the greatest friction is. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So it's fascinating. The farther to the left or the farther to the right we go, the the closer we get to the other pole.
0: Too much extreme causes some serious problems. Yeah. You know? It's one thing if it's contained within a common consciousness mm-hmm. and it's able to negotiate those extremes. Mm-hmm. It's an entirely different thing if there's no recognition of the commonality. And that, unfortunately, is, is where we are. Even though the cognitive dissonance happening on both sides couldn't make it more clear that there is a common framework. Within within which both are are really reacting. Let's say, mm-hmm. you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's unfortunate that you know. How do you get something to realize that the thing that it hates the most? <laughs> we're getting back to, you know, anger and mm-hmm. fear. I think mm-hmm. too, there's an incredible yeah, oh, amount of fear about what the consequences are of the opposite side victory, yeah. right? Yeah. So, the left and the right are both terrified that the other side are going to gain control of this thing. Meanwhile, they're fighting over the steering wheel and the thing is like continuing to hurtle in the same freaking direction down the drain. Yeah. So, how do you get a consciousness to start to recognize that that thing that it fears the most is the very thing it needs to incorporate into its understanding? That's where we really are, Right. And I have no idea how to get that message across. It just seems like when you're dealing with someone who's really committed to one of those ideologies, the the instant you start to suggest that the other side might be worth listening to, it's like conversation is over.
1: Done. (laughs) There's no capacity (laughs) to entertain it. Shut it down. It's
0: so tragic. It really is. It just seems like, and there's a lot of intelligent people who seem to be really locked into that as well. I don't get it.
1: Yeah, I don't either.
0: I don't either. You know, we can only speculate on what that really uh indicates, but certainly when it comes to a an enterprise as large as a nation, mm. you know, where there's so many different types of people, so many different interests need to be uh taken into account and and everyone is really, you know, we're we are in this together whether people like it or not. That's right. You know, so that's right. Civil war is not going to be pretty, folks. Mm-hmm. It's like we went through one of them, and um, yeah, yeah. It's hard to imagine what would happen here if if we can't find some way of
1: bridging this divide. Yeah, I mean, it's it, we are in this together. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting times. No doubt was that chinese uh the chinese curse yeah chinese curse may you be may you live in interesting yeah, times yeah may you live in interesting that's a, times that's that's what i've heard
0: but i've also heard like you know that there's that that they would say well in china the same uh the same ideogram for danger is for opportunity mm. but then i heard later on that that wasn't true mm. so <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so you got to be careful about all that kind of
1: yeah yeah, yeah. We have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I guess danger is an opportunity for someone. Yeah, I I, I tend to avoid danger. Yeah, I try to avoid it, avoid it too. Yeah, um, that's one I'm not comfortable with.
0: But you know, uh, from from the point of view of some people, just you know, living outside the city is dangerous. You know. Yeah. Or living in an area where people like to shoot guns is dangerous. Right. Right. Or Getting in a car and driving. That is probably the most dangerous of all of those things, without a doubt.
1: Absolutely. And we do it all the time without even thinking about it, mm-hmm. right? And yet, it's probably one of the most dangerous things we can do. It's up there at the top. Yeah. I have an irrational fear, fear of sharks. You do? Oh, yeah. Really? And yet I surf, right? <laughs> so That's, <laughs> that's funny.
0: <laughs> I actually experienced being in the water with a shark once. Really? And... It was kind of intense. You know, we were in Thailand and we were swimming in an area where they said there sometimes were sharks. And we had seen some small ones that didn't seem to be worth, that that weren't worth worrying about. But we did see one big one and it was kind of distant. It wasn't that close, but it really was like, you know, just like everything in you was like, bing, holy fuck. You know, uh-huh. where's the nearest place to go that's not here? You know, mm-hmm. um, and we got out of the water pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't seem interested. So, were you
1: like swimming off of a boat, or were you? Did no, you have we to were swim just to swim the shore kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I think we swam to some an outcropping of rocks that wasn't too far away. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's like we jump into lakes and rivers and all this kind of stuff. You know, without. Really, think I'm at it too much around here, you know? Like, right. I'm aware that there are right. some snakes and that sort of thing, but pretty much. Right now, I wondered, like, back in the hunter gatherer days, right? There probably was way more awareness of all the various potential hazards because they hadn't been flushed out of everything <laughs> right. yet, you know? And maybe every time you approached a lake for the first time, you would spend the first few hours, like, testing with sticks all around and really checking out the water and and getting rid of the snakes if he found them, you know, that kind of thing. Right, right. So that's another way I think in which we've kind of gotten complacent about
1: what the relationship to the natural world is. One of the things that, that, that stimulates for me or a thought that it stimulates for me is, you know, back then... You know, death could happen fast, like you said, right? Death could happen fast. It can come from any number of things. You had to be hyper aware. You know, you think of like a deer that goes out into the open or a rabbit. They're constantly kind of looking around, right? Mm -hmm. And they're they're hyper alert, right? Right. So we were probably much more alert of our surroundings. We don't have to be so uh, alert anymore. And death is a slow, drawn out process for the most part anymore. So it seems like there would be a greater maybe potential fear around it.
0: It's interesting because I think a lot of people interpret that vigilance in rabbits and deer as stress. Right. But I don't think that that's how it's experienced. You know, if it's true that the hunter-gatherers were way less stressed out than we are, you know, maybe we're kind of like projecting that stress response. Right. But I don't know. You know, deer do seem to be kind of stressed out every now and then. I don't know if that's just because they're living in, in our environments now it seems like that does really make a difference yeah and they are and, prey yeah and and like not just the you know their traditional uh, natural predators but you know rifles right so and maybe we're just not as good of a shot as <laughs> okay so, yeah, the, uh, we got interrupted.
1: We did? Yeah. We had a uh, technological glitch. Yep. You could say. It's the first time this has happened. Mm. Ran out
0: of space on the card. Oh. Mm hmm. So, uh, so, we took a break, we ate some cheese, and now we're back.
1: Yes. Bread
0: and cheese, <laughs>
1: <laughs> food that guys eat. That's
0: right, yeah, who the, the guys, guys eat. eat, with very little fanfare, Actually, there, weren't, there wasn't even a plate involved.
1: No, no plate, <laughs> no need for, um, toasting, uh, or, or even, uh, no, presentation. No presentation. No presentation whatsoever. Yeah, there were
0: cheese, blocks of cheese <laughs> that women would have turned their noses up at. <laughs> just because of the shape, just because of the way they were cut. Well, they, they were, they were rough off. cut. It, it was rough hewn. Rough hewn, rough yeah. hewn cheese. I guess that's offensive to those who would be offended by it. It would be. Yeah. To
1: those who would be offended by yep, it. Yep,
0: On a number of different levels. Yeah. But we can move on from that and attempt to return to what we're talking about. Oh, we could talk about something entirely well, different. Well,
1: I mean, we can move from sexism to speciesism because okay. we were doing speciesism. We were talking about how rabbits and deer are naturally nervous or anxious, yes. right? Yeah. We were. And
0: we were wondering like, whether or not that's the level of stress that could be compared to stress, like the stress that we're under. And, it, and we, we were saying basically probably not, that that's, there's something like natural stress that's right. different from the kind of stress that we're experiencing. Now, what is that difference? I mean, it does seem that if your nervous system is going to be thinking about whether or not you're about to be attacked at any given moment, mm-hmm. one would imagine that's a pretty high level of stress, right? And so why would the hunter-gatherers not feel that way you know mm-hmm. and the you would really have to be in an area where you were convinced there were no main predators around right
1: yeah or and
0: i don't think that would be possible i think like, that would,
1: yeah that would be literally impossible yeah it?
0: it wasn't until we really had eliminated them from certain areas that we could breathe easy for a while so that would be, i guess be the, the the case that was made to say that you know life was brutal and short and, and fearful right
1: right right
0: um in the case that um, this guy we were talking about before, whose name I would have to look up again, Ryan, I believe, is the last name, mm, uh, mm-hmm. he's saying that's not the case, that actually we were pretty chill most of the time. And if there was an event, it was short and quick and merciful, and that life was, in general, far less stressful. Right? So now, what about rabbits and deer? You know, you, you got to wonder, like, I think what we were saying. Uh, after the thing had had shut itself off, was something along the lines of, well, maybe cougars are way better hunters than we are. Mm-hmm. And so once a deer or a rabbit was within yeah. the grasp of that predator, they would have a way higher kill rate than we would. And so maybe the nervousness now is because... They're aware that actually this could not go quickly this could be a real botch job <laughs> because this guy has not been sufficiently mastering the art of riflery before getting out there and and uh, taking a shot right so that that would be an explanation that you know requires a fair amount of consciousness I guess you could say to attribute that to rabbits and deers, but I don't see why not. You know, it seems to me that they're clearly aware of their circumstance and those types of details would be the utmost importance to them,
1: right? Yeah, I would would think uh, they've had uh, quite some time to learn. Although at the same time,
0: they have not figured out how to not stand in the roadway (laughs) when the lights are coming fast and furiously at them. So... It begs the question, like, whether or not they really would learn about these things. But I think it is pretty clear that, like, for instance, the bears really understand what a rifle is. You know, Mm. some of those those larger animals just, they won't go near us because they know that we've got these devices that will completely fuck them up. So Mm. I'm pretty sure that, that consciousness, other than human beings, is capable of understanding this. It's just a question of whether or not the deer and the rabbits would get it.
1: Right, right, right.
0: So that's a... Whole Sounds bunch of confusion like you're saying
1: that deer and rabbits aren't very conscious. No, I'm not saying are you, that. Are you slandering deer and
0: rabbits? I am a, a, a speciesist, I guess. <laughs> all of these arguments are species. Yeah, specious, yeah. specious arguments.
1: Specious arguments.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's all speculative. You know, death is not the only thing we don't know about. We really don't know what any other species is actually thinking. What their experience of existence is, we don't know. There's yeah. no.
1: We don't even know yeah. what each other are I thinking. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I, 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 we don't even know what we ourselves are thinking half the time. It's true. You know. <laughs> what were you thinking? I don't know. I think. I think more than half the time, whatever I'm
0: saying, it's like I didn't even think it yet.
1: Mm, it just comes out.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much like. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I almost feel like it's just a thing that I can kind of ride like a wave, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and so there's like a form to it and I can put words to the form, right. but I don't really know what the hell it is while I'm doing it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know where the thought goes or where it comes That's from. That's actually what, what's really a little frightening about it sometimes, you know, because yeah. sometimes thoughts end up going somewhere you just don't want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking is, a, is an art. It's also like, you know, I've, there's this great line in Captain Beefheart's song. that says, someone's had too much to think. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, yeah, you know, it's a somewhat uh, compulsive act, I guess you could say. Like yeah. somewhat, you know, maybe it comes from nervousness to a large extent. Yeah. Like I have a song that's called Intelligence, and the line is, Intelligence is a nervous disorder.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like that. But well, here's the thing: is that you know, when I look out, there's not a whole there's not a whole lot of people willing their thinking. Meaning, like you know, there's a place for it, right? There's most people are just on autopilot. They're regurgitating information. They're in in uh, looping thought patterns very few people are actually inspecting what they're thinking what they're about to say taking the reins of their thought life um well but strictly speaking we really don't know if that's the case it may be and, that that a lot of people are thinking a lot
0: more than we would think it's just yeah. that they're smart enough not to say anything
1: no that's true i mean those who know don't say <laughs> that's and those right. who say don't know <laughs>
0: exactly so you know you could say they're smart enough too or too cowardly too. you know, right. so it's it, right. some mixture perhaps, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point it does seem like, well, you know, life is short and some things have to be said. Otherwise, there is no expression into the universe which mm-hmm. would stimulate a change. So if we're in a circumstance that appears to be going to a very negative place, it's, it's really just kind of as basic as going, hey, look at where we're going. I mm-hmm. think maybe we could find a different... Destination than the one we seem to be heading towards, that seems to be like worth the risk of bringing it up in general. And on some, you know, fundamental cultural level, I feel like that's what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. We're saying, okay, people have picked up that thing that was given to them and they're taking it to the bank with them now. And we're like, wait a second, before you pick that thing up, let's turn it over a few times. (laughs) That's basically it, you know? Uh, it seems like a worthwhile conversation, and, you know, okay, there are risks inherent in every expression, so here we go. That's what the assembly silence, that's, that's the risk we're taking. That's the danger we're willing to, uh, to um, confront. Yeah. I think that's a good moment. Yeah, okay, here we go. I think that was inspired by the cats.
1: Right? Yes. Yeah. That was good.
0: <laughs> I have no idea how long we had been recording when we got cut off last time. I think a little over 30-something minutes. All right. Yeah. So 40-something minutes. I think we're good. We're, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You actually have nothing else to
1: say? I, really? I, I think there's always more to say. That's true. But you know what? I think we're done. I'm not going to say. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks for listening.
0: We look forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, remember, turn that thing over a few times before you pick it up and take it home.